anyway, I had to go to county lockup 30 days and I got out and my friends, like any good military friend should do, um, said, you want to like pay rent or get food? No, let's throw a party and invite whores and, and have a gangbang. Hey, welcome back to Four for the Road, everybody. I'm your host, Punk Rock. We got Captain Serious, old fucking dildo Dave with us today. <laughs> and then we got Drifter. Uh, and I think we're going to talk about some pretty neat shit here today. We're going to talk about some history stuff, maybe some, uh, you know, club business, maybe put some of that stuff out there. I don't know. You know, we're going to see where the night takes us. But, Can uh, we start a biker war? Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to start biker wars. Um, I'm, I'm going to stop before I keep going. So, Dave, you were the one that introduced the topic to us. So, why don't you go ahead and kick us off here? I didn't introduce the topic. You did. <laughs> and thanks for showing up, folks. Yeah. Uh, that's that's our show. Well, you know, uh, I had talked about it, and, and you know, something that I love about the page is just, there's so many different personalities on it, and we all do. Like, look at the the good stuff that's going on between not between not going on between, but like the 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 good viewpoints between Mac and and Road Dirt. That's cool stuff, and and it's just different viewpoints on the page, and and that's what I've always enjoyed, kind of about this, and whether that's, you know, I feel like it's our peers that comment on the stuff, and so seeing, I thought, uh, I didn't read everything on Road Dirts, but but kind of looking at Max, there was definitely some good, there's some good engagement on there. There's some funny stuff or some ridiculous shit too. Um, that's natural. It's it, it's the internet. It's the Thunderdome. But there was some good back and forth conversations between people. Like, and, and I consider that like the best part of the page is the people that write and, and then chime in and all that stuff. It's just like a peer to peer. Like these are a community of your peers. And I like that. And, and I know that it seems like, at least to me, we've been having an opportunity to have a lot of fun shit go down, joking, um, crazy videos, a lot of fun shit. And I want to, for me, my personality, I, I feel like I'm like the overprotective dad at prom night. And every, and I'm always thinking I'm probably wrong, but I'm always thinking that like somebody's trying to gangbang my daughter and I need to, to stop that, uh, by being that overprotective parent on prom night with our reputation here. And nobody's ever done anything to like hurt it. It's just my own hang up, I guess, if that's the right word, that I want to make sure that there's a balance of the funny shit that people like and the serious stuff. And so I thought getting together with you guys to do a little fun history, like not that it's all serious, would just be a, a different topic we haven't really visited in a while. Yeah, and I don't expect a single fucking laugh tonight, fellas. All right, this is some serious shit. We already ruined it. We laughed earlier. <laughs> so, you know, you, the three of us, we have a ride coming up in uh, what is it? Three weeks now. Yes. So looking forward to it. And I'm so looking forward to this. And really, one of the things that that got me thinking, like the three of us need to get together and do an episode, was I saw a picture on on Outlaw Archive, and whether you like what he says or you don't like what he says, his collection of history and pictures is amazing. And even if you even if you don't like motorcycle club whatever history. I've always been someone that likes like if we were at my grandparents' house when they were alive or like going like it's like my dad's house who has a lot of that stuff um, from my grandparents going through old photo albums. I've just always like the time capsule that's captured in a picture has always appealed to me. And so anyway, he posted a picture of these these club members and they're just they're outside of this 
random house or whatever in Southern California. They're on the, you know, they're, they're in the streets and there's kids on the sidewalk. And I think like somebody's wife or girlfriend or whatever is, is, is on the sidewalk with the kids. And there's probably three or four bikes lined up and these guys are, are getting on their bikes and, and they look like, they look like your grandparents from the time, you know, there's a certain kind of dress that somebody had in the fifties and the sixties. And, and that's what they look like. And you see the house in the back and the house looks like that house that you would see in a movie about the fifties or sixties. And I was like, dude, I just love what this picture is saying without saying anything at all. And that's something that I think maybe it's, I don't know. Is it not ego driven? I don't think that's the right word. I can't think of what I'm, I'm trying to say, but when, when the three of us or whoever, when we get on our bikes and you and your brothers get on your bikes or whatever, and you stop somewhere, somewhere cool, somewhere random, somewhere Americana and take a picture in front of your house, in front of a bar, whatever, at the side of the road. I Imagine the people seeing that, I guess that that was 1960, 60 years later. Imagine who's going to look at that 60 years later. Yeah, and you never know. You never know which picture it is that's going to survive all that. And I think a lot of that comes from, like, I think Drifter's enthusiasm, even though I've always enjoyed old pictures, I think Drifter's enthusiasm is, is contagious. And I know that, you know, always since Sucker Free and beyond, he's always been into that. But I definitely think in the last couple of years, he's really ramped up even a couple more notches. And I think the stuff that he chooses to share with us, the exact same vibe to it, like the exact same feel when he shares it. Well, hell, I want to meet this guy now. Sounds like no, no, you don't. He's kind of a he's kind of an asshole, but I've 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 ridden with him. You know, I mean, he is he is nice. I, he did let me ride his bike, but you know, he got us lost on the way back. So, are we doing video or is this just recording? Just recording. No, this is just recording. Uh, well, hi folks, I'm Drifter. How y'all doing? <laughs> but and then you know, the other day, kind of speaking that nostalgic road. I don't even know what I was doing, but I found some old notes. Uh, from a, either a podcast that we had done. I'm assuming it's a podcast because I don't know why I would have wrote notes like this unless we were going to to talk on it um, or write it up. But I couldn't remember what it went to. And a lot of it is kind of jumps around a little bit. So I'm assuming it was just like speaking points that I wanted to remember. But, you know, it all just kind of like, it just seemed like good timing, like Drifter sharing some of, of you know, the shareable club history stuff that, that he wants or is able to share. And then looking like I have notes here talking about Hollister and, you know, some of the historic clubs. And I feel like, you know, that's probably a story that by now everybody's either already heard, is already in love with, uh, has already done their own research or already has, you know, knows the clubs that were part of it, et cetera. But I feel like just as a starting point for a lot of culture change, I mean, obviously 1947, there was history for 47, 46 years, roughly, um, of motorcycle clubs up to that point. But it's just like Jim's talked about, you know, like he's talked about before, this catalyst for an entirely new era of biker. It wasn't like the, it wasn't the, the, ah, Jesus, I'm having a hard time with words today. It wasn't like the new biker didn't automatically appear at Hollister, it was like he was brewing in the early 40s. And then part of it comes out at Hollister and lays seed. Like it's, it's. I've always said it's it's the sperm of this movement. And so I think to go back and look and read some of these notes for, for some of the stuff that we did, just, I don't know, I loved reading it and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
but talking about some of the clubs that were there, you know, Jim, we, we kind of talked about it and, and share if you do. We can edit out if you don't want to. Um, some history stuff that you were finding. Is there anything that you can share with it? I think folks eat that stuff up. Well, you know, so Hollister, you know, that was a Gypsy Tour AMA race going on. Uh, guess who won that race? Guess who has the trophy? Who? Who? That'd be the 13 Rebels. Do you remember the name of the uh, the racetrack? Is it still there? And, and the reason I ask it was, it was something with a B, right? Ah, shit. Um, well, Bolado, Bobaldo. My problem is, I've been working with a couple of cl- club brothers on on our club history, so I've got all these racetrack names in my head, but they're well, all guys, Los Angeles. Era. You guys owned your own racetrack, right? We did, and we're still trying to find the exact location or where that was. We had it all the way up to like. I think it was 1970. Um, so we're trying. Uh, urban sprawl has really taken over a lot of the old places. In fact, one of the really cool things is, um, so some people may have heard of the All American Bar. You know, it's it's where 13 Rebels hung out. It's where the Boost Fighters were born. Uh, we actually we found that place. It, it burnt down, but through deduction and the pictures we have, we actually have two pictures of the All-American, and then we have a third picture taken inside the All-American facing out, so you're looking across the parking lot. With all that and knowing that it was just down the street from our clubhouse at the time, we found the exact location, and then whenever my brother Shakespeare, oh, Shaky, was out there, he went to the place and took pictures, and it's pretty freaking awesome. What is, is it like a used car lot or something today? A car dealership? No, it's a... Uh, uh, supermarket. Oh, okay. Yeah. One of them, I think you and I had found on, on like Google Maps or something for an old racetrack, and now it was just like a, a Hispanic food store or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, and then barbed wire fences up around the rest of the block and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, just to, to hold, I mean, I can't even imagine like to hold those pictures and to see those. Just imagine you were the person taking the picture looking out. Yeah. And whenever they took that picture, and it's interesting because if if the picture, if you're looking at other people in the picture and it looks like uh, you're you're not looking at their heads, that the picture's taken from, like somebody had a camera on their chest and they're looking down, you know, the old type of cameras. We it sits on your chest. You look down and you take the picture that way. You can always tell because of the angle of the picture. And so we have a lot of those. But imagine the guy that, that was standing in the parking lot of the All-American took a picture of all these 13 Rebels in the parking lot gearing up to go on a ride and not even thinking anything about that picture. And here I am, you know, 75, 80 years later going, holy shit, look at this. So, so you just never know which pictures you take are, are going to be in some history nerd's hands 100 years from now. Yeah, was it, was it weird for you to finally have that picture of you come back? And uh, <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> tell you what, I wish I had some of those bikes that were in that picture. Hey, you ain't wrong there, fellas. So, do you kind of know roughly the around the year time frame that these pictures were were taken? Is that something you've been able to, to kind of pinpoint? Or yeah, a lot of them. Um, so, with our club, you know, it started in '37. It was it was all the top racers. And so we were really big in Los Angeles area and in Southgate area, really. 
everybody lived within, you know, 10 miles of each other. And, and the club was like 40, 50, 60 deep at one point. And, uh, so all through the thirties, the forties and fifties. And then by about the mid fifties, it started turning into, uh, I guess shell through it, and you should look him up if you're ever interested in. in I, I think one of us in this chat has done a biography write up on him. Um, maybe maybe it's Ken. I don't know. We'll we'll figure that out later. Go on, go on, go ahead. <laughs> so by the by the mid fifties until the seventies or so, um, shell through it really. The clubhouse was his shop, the back of his shop, and it it really turned into off road racing at that point. Uh, you know, I forgot where I was going with all this, but hey, I got a question. Do you know which thirteen rebel it was that took home one of the trophies at the at Hollister? Or took home the, the the race trophy. Yeah, Arden Van Sickle, and that's the famous one with the American flag, right? And the trophy. No, that's his son. No, no, really? Yeah, there's two Van Sickles. Okay. So the the one that where it shows a kind of a goofy guy sitting on an Indian that's got a full skirt on the front fender. He's holding a trophy. Yeah. Maybe you've seen that one. Uh, that's the Hollister trophy, right? And then that famous one where the guy is sitting in the alleyway between two buildings with a 48 star flag behind it. That's his son. Ben. Okay. Yeah. That one. Right yeah. There. So now this that's is, trophy. that's, that's him. That's, that's Arden. Well, they're both. Here's where it gets confusing. <laughs> Which <laughs> one is the both, dad? <laughs> that's the sun. The one okay. with the flag is the sun. But they're both named Arden Van Sickle. They have different middle names. Now, okay, so for the sake of conversation, we're going to refer to them as junior and senior. <laughs> sure. yeah, that's much easier. Now, yeah. one of your one of your club brothers uh, is is big into to the movies, right? Production, um, history of them, making them. Is that yeah, he, he works in the industry in New York? Um, now, has he ever looked up any like? history or does he you know something he's ever been interested in as far as like so stanley kramer is is the producer the director i guess um from the wild uh the wild one and he uses a very kind of i guess at the time it wouldn't have been well known but he uses the reference of the the, the racing trophy in the front of johnny's bike is that something that's ever been correlated as, as like he took that or got that idea from the 13 rebels or is that just kind of cool movie history stuff Dude, have you been eavesdropping on us? Always. Because we're actually starting to look at that. Um, so Shaky Shakespeare, um, my brother, he knew, well, he went to New York City Film School, right, NYU. And uh, his first, one of his first year teachers was the director for The Wild One. I forgot that guy's name. But anyway, so... He's investigating that uh, to find out exactly how much involvement there was. So now, us was, and the Boots Fighters. Was Stanley Kramer the director or the producer? I think he was the producer. Okay, like like the so he took kind of uh, Frank Rooney's, you know, some some stuff from Hollister and Frank Rooney's Cyclist Raid, and then kind of put it into a script, and then somebody else directed it. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, or close, close enough to it. But I think that would be awesome. Like if, if, if your brother was able to to track down that link, even if there is none, I think just the idea. Because I think uh, Ken and oh, I there is, there is, and the director is is Laszlo uh, Benedict. 
something like that. What's the link? So, um, we have a picture of Mar uh, not Marlon, but um, Lee. Lee Marvin. Marvin. Lee. Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin. Marvin Lee. Lee Marvin. It's the same fucking guy. <laughs> so anyway, we got a picture of him. He's sitting on a bike and he's talking with another actor who wasn't in that show, wasn't in that movie, but really wanted to be. Uh, he ended up doing TV stuff. And they're standing right beside Ted Evans' work truck that has his name, Ted Evans Motorcycle. Ted Evans was 13 Rebels. And Did so, Ted Evans win the Daytona 200 too, or am I? Uh, he, he won an amateur version. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, for debate, uh, Lee Marvin, not Marvin Lee, but Lee Marvin, better in the wild one, better in the wild one or the Dirty Dozen? Oh, dude, I don't know. Because he's pretty famous for the Dirty I think he's more famous probably for the Dirty Dozen. Yeah, it's like the Dirty Dozen was a more mature but still same character as the Wild One. But I think more bikers identify him as Chino than they probably do Lee Marvin in, in the Dirty Dozen. That's because Chino was a 1940s, 1950s biker. That's exactly what it was. Ken? I'm, I'm, going, I'm going with uh, the Wild One, man. Chino, my dog, he's kind of a fucking asshole, um, but he stands he stands by his word, takes an ass whipping like a man, and then gives it right back. Um, you know, I was just, uh, I was, I, I enjoyed that portrayal of a character more than I did his in Dirty Dog. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, let's not, do we still have the second episode that we ever did where we argued about what movie was more influential? Yeah. I think we know what more what movie was more influential. Yeah, man, easy right. Yeah, mine. No, no, the wild ones. <laughs> Which one? You what? What? What movie did you pick, Dave? Uh, wild what Angels. Like, wild Angels. Yeah. I don't remember if it was that or like sixty nine or anything. Wait, like that. what? No, no, I picked Wild Angels with Peter Fonda. Yeah, the one yeah. with that horrible, horrible story, man. But the one about the the rape case, right? No, 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 no. no. Let, let me tell you what this movie is about, all right? One of the guys in the club is killed, dies, right? So they take his body back to his hometown, and they have a big funeral in the church, and then they tear the church up. They rape his widow on the fucking casket. Yeah. And then Peter Fonda gives this gay-ass speech. We just want to be free to get loaded and do drugs. Look, and, and and my so argument... So, My so, argument yeah, then is the same that, as it was now. Case, that one. The argument is not about which movie was better or which movie was more realistic to the yeah, biker culture. Because we know which one that was. Or which yeah. movie was more realistic to the biker culture. The argument has always been which one is more influential. And I've argued Wild Angels in 1966 because, first of all, Roger Corman was like a cult producer and everybody flocked to see this Roger Corman movie. And then the wild it had an guys were instantly going out and buying leather jackets and and clubs 66 clubs exploded in the late Dude. 60s okay so i mean you that, leather that, jackets that's that's hang on hang on that's can i finish can i finish can i finish a giant ass pause you put a period on the end of that can i finish you are assuming that the wild one was influential from day 1 the wild one is more influential over time Sure, longer period of time, the wild one is more probably revered. Fine, I'll give you that. 
instantly influential wild angels wild one was banned to like the seven to what like the 70s in europe or 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 60s or something in england it it scared America in the Ford in the fifties fifty three when it came out more so than it probably invigorated people like Roger Corman dropped this bomb in the middle of the counterculture revolution in sixty six, and and it exploded more instantaneously influential Wild Angels fine over time what's more recognizable I'll give you Wild ones no no here's here's my thing hang, right? hang on I got no, no wait wait Ken. No, no, no. This is I've been silent long enough. The, <laughs> the leather I jacket agree. thing, that's bullshit. Okay. The leather jacket w- was basically only vets had it after World War II. Right. But after Wild One comes out, leather jacket sales of that particular jacket skyrocket. And you can still buy them today in that same cut. Thank you very much. And, <laughs> I, but I will give, hang on, kid. Hang on. I will give you this, Captain Sirius, that. <laughs> After uh, your movie came out, the the I'm not even going to name it. The big change it did have in England, even though it was banned, you could still see it through film clubs. It had a huge impact in England, where all these different clubs were popping up, naming themselves Hell's Angels, and had no fucking clue that there really was a Hell's Angels in America. That's what. So, it did. so my thing is, is, wait, you have a thing. I have a thing. It's not very impressive. Um, just ask my wife. So, yes, the wild or uh, the wild one. I, absolutely, it 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 was influential. Um, but you know what? We don't really see a lot of club dudes wearing jackets that style anymore, right? I think that's fair to say. I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, that was like your big point there. Fuck you, Ken. Uh, as far as, as, you know, you know, uh, fuck you, please. Uh, actually, <laughs> you know what? Keep talking that shit. I'll see you in two weeks, motherfucker. Yeah, come on, bring it. <laughs> it's got to be before six p.m. before your bedtime. But uh, yeah. as far as the Wild Angels go, Sir David, um, I don't think that that movie was more of an influence on the culture. I think it was more of a mirror of the culture that regular people are going to go see. And now they're seeing like, oh, okay, cool. This is kind of what it's about. And some dudes liked it. Some dudes didn't. And I think that that contributed to the, to the explosion. But as far as influential goes, I don't think, I don't think that was very influential. Right. I think it was more of a, just kind of like, eh, whatever. Like it's, it's cool, but it's not like turning the tides of the community. Well, you're, um, you're free to be wrong. That- and the reason that I'm right, and the reason that I'm right, um, and, and here's the thing, right? Um, I haven't heard of since that, what the movie's based off of, I haven't heard of another group of people gangbanging a widow on her, her dead husband's casket. But I do see people still building sick-ass fucking choppers like they did in Easy Rider. That Easy Rider didn't her, bring that about. Employing... First of all, club Easy members. Riders is not even in the em- top five. Employing club members, right? And then, you know what? Like, I'll, I'll even say this. It was part of the fucking civil rights movement, right? Because um, a lot, a, two of the bike builders were not even given credit. 
Ken, I'm going to hurt your feelings now. I'm going to hurt well, your feelings. Not, not part of the civil rights movement, but like that contributed to, um, a, like it was another fucking. I'm for. Been talking to Dave too long. Maybe what you're trying to say is it showed the the general population that black guys could be bikers too. But I'm about to hurt your feelings. Easy Rider is not a biker movie. It's hippies on motorcycles. So you mean these are dudes that want to do what they want to do and ride their fucking bikes and be free? <laughs> be free to get loaded. All right. First of all, Easy Rider is not even in the top five of biker movies. I agree. Um, that's fine, you know, man. That's fine. You you yeah, are all you know, it did contribute, off. it did, it did contribute now to awareness of the influence of black bike builders because the stories of how Cliff and Ben uh, Ben Hardy and, and Cliff Oz were um influential and, and and created and made those bikes and then were rode off or or kicked off or whatever. Um I think that there's a really cool like if you've ever gotten into like the biography i guess i don't know again kind of struggling with good words today of dennis hopper he was like both really cool and quite an asshole <laughs> and was like banned from hollywood and then like somehow managed i don't know rode keanu reeves's dick and came back <laughs> like he's a really, like he was like such a good actor that people couldn't ignore him but he was like like beating his wife and was like a drug addict and and you know was was depending on what stories you hear and stuff like that tried to to minimize the the influence of the bikes in an easy rider and, and who created those bikes because of the color of their skin now that's all like tabloid stuff that you read or you know you listen to a podcast or whatever so who knows he's not here to defend himself so i'm not going to say that that's law but easy riders not even a top five movie you're, also you're also have your own wrong opinion on this also okay. also for wild angels and why it was more instantaneously popular the the actors nobody at that time when the wild one came out cared about lee marvin or marlon brando that launched them to become megastars but at the time, Fonda and and Nancy Sinatra, they were already n- names. They were already household names. So people were gonna instantly go and see this Nancy Sinatra. Oh, she's hot. Let's go. Let's go see that movie. So they flocked to see it instantaneously. More influential. Plus, plus nobody, nobody started a Black Rebel motorcycle club. They liked his look and they liked his attitude. But nobody started a Black Rebel motorcycle club or, um, holy fuck, um, Lee Marvin's club. Oh, Dave! Come on, the Beatles. Um, the the Beatles, and and nobody went out and started these clubs. But like Jim said, in the Wild Angels, international clubs all over. Like there's there's a there's a uh, British broadcasting uh, BBC. You can watch. I'm not talking shit. You can watch it. It's on YouTube. Of of English Hell's Angels, the London Hell's Angels, yeah, and how they they first started because of this movie and then went through the proper steps to apply for their charter and, and all this other stuff. And they are on camera talking about it and, and going and, and showing them around the area. So I'm, I'm not putting out club business. It's fucking a documentary that you can YouTube. All right, leave me alone. But nobody, not to say nobody, but not as many people did that with the wild one. The wild angels caused tons of people to start their own clubs. It took a California thing and fucking brought it all over the world. So so wild I'll angels. counter that. I will counter that with the wild on, one on, created we're, bikers. We're doing this. We're doing this history show. We're making it back about the movies. We can revisit the movies. The movies are history. 
but okay, okay. Um, Let's just all agree that I'm correct, and we'll move on. Follow, <laughs> fine, fine. Follow me for more tips to get Dave spun the fuck up. Like, <laughs> you know what? Because I too appreciate Make a Wish. I'm gonna let Ken be right. <laughs> oh damn! Oh, oh, right in my heart, right in my heart. He got me. He got. So what's next on your list of interesting things? So my next thing is, is when is Ken going to be ready to unveil to the world all of his work he's been doing? Yeah. Um, fuck it. I'll get it scheduled tonight. Are you ready to unveil all of it or is it still? Don't rush it. Don't rush it. So here's my thing, man. And I was talking to No Shame about this the other day. I am so, so I haven't really put anything out recently either. Um, other than some stuff happened and it kind of motivated me to fucking write a little bit. Um, but uh, I've just been so fucking involved in this shit of researching this that this is all I can fucking think about. I don't do, I fucking hate motorcycle clubs now. With all these goddamn <laughs> rabbit holes. So, like, what started out as a challenge from Dave has then just become my life. And well, I hate him for it, really. I think that you. <laughs> forgot one of the main things that we talked about is there's definitely dates, events, people that are very much they are what they are. Like those those are facts, I guess facts. Yes. But so a lot of it is a lot of it is you could shift it left to right a little bit and, and it's still true. You're just you're in the right ballpark and and there's just no way anymore to validate a hundred percent of everything that you're looking at. And that's the most maddening part of it because you'll you'll get a piece that'll take you like like when I was doing a lot of it was you would get a piece and it'll take you right down this road. You're gonna go six miles down this road and all of a sudden you're gonna be like, oh I should have taken a left three miles back. Yeah. And, and that's the hard part about it. And we're talking about stuff 60 years ago. That wasn't even accurately fucking documented. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. no. So yeah, unless and, you were at the meetings, you don't you don't know for sure. Yeah. So like the, the big thing, so like I got I got Hollister. Oh my fucking God. Good well, good thing I've got this all written down. But <laughs> so um Riverside. Hollister, yeah. Riverside. Yeah. Fucking Christ. So I got I got I got a good piece on Hollister. I got a good piece on Riverside. Now there is this Death Valley run that is super fucking important, right? But I cannot find a goddamn thing on this fucking thing. But I think the accepted thing, the accepted fact is that the Death Valley run was a a annual occurrence or or close to it and it brought out that type of motorcyclist and had those type of of things go on that would create the one percent label so again it's all this it's all of these sperm hitting this egg and now with the, with dvr and and some of this other stuff that you found you're at that act you're about to hold the baby or you're, you are holding the baby and 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 some folks or some of the stuff that you found or whatever it's like you're going to argue about whether the baby was born at 305 in the morning or whether it was born at 205 in the morning and i think that's frustrating and it's maddening but it's also pretty cool because you're like it's just that lore of of the history and and anybody that says that they have it pinned down 100 percent they don't um even you know we've talked to or, or asked questions of um Bo at outlaw archive and and he's given us a lot of but even he's said that some of it is is approximate yeah yeah it's plus or minus five years 
for or not five years. Yeah, yeah, it was plus or minus five years. The stuff that we were talking about there. Um, my big thing is, and and like that's the thing. You were way like, more dialed in from, than five. I mean, maybe five months. Like you were, you were, yeah. you, you're in there. What I say? Five years. Is five years. Oh no, no, no. My bad. My bad. You're five months. Five months. Months. M O N. Yeah, months. So I've gotten from Hollister to Tecate, Mexico. What's fucking me up is that is finding the a, a decent piece on the DVR and then that, that lists out specifically who was there, who participated in the fuckery there, and then connecting that to what happened at both the Santa Clarita run a few months before Tecate. And then that brings it all together for me. Now, it's fucking infuriating because there's one article that I read about the Death Valley run, one fucking one that I was able to find that mentioned any sort of fucking motorcycles that make because because now if you look it up, it's it's going to be bicycles, right? The most annoying thing fucking ever. Like all these cocksuckers that think that they own the fucking road, they all they all come together in Death Valley and then they fuck all of this up for me too. So I've been to Death Valley and I love it. And I cannot imagine getting on a fucking Huffy or a Trek and trying to ride my, I don't care what month it is. I'm not trying to ride through Death Valley. No. And I hope they all fucking die a horrible sweaty death. But (laughs) so I can't find anything substantiating. Like I said, I read, and it's this one article that I read a long fucking time ago. And I think you and I spoke about it, Dave. Well, it was about uh, how like there was the race, and then all these fucking bikers are like, "Nah, fuck that!" Like, Bleh. and then and, you know, and there was a a mention again. You know, I'll again come back, give him all the credit in the world. I know some people he's a little brash. I know some people don't like that. Uh, maybe even cocky. Maybe he's earned the right to be cocky. I don't know. Not not the topic. Um, but he has an amazing collection of stuff. And and one of the things they posted over there on his LA archive Instagram was. Uh, you know, and without having it in front of me or going through his Instagram pictures of, of death of the Death Valley run of two club members headed to the Death Valley run and the name of a photographer taking those pictures. Yeah. I've tried everything and and we've reached out to, to him before, too. And, and, and it's kind of like, yes, this is what happened. But, you know, you cannot find any more pictures. You cannot find any more work from that. Photographer. Like it's just like this maddening kind of dead end. And I think to, for, for Ken's sake, let's even, let's add another month and say you're within to get within five to six months. That's incredible work. And, and I don't think that it makes the stories any less awesome. I don't think it makes the fabric of, of what we enjoy or this life any different. I mean, it just makes it better that, that somebody's out there talking. The fact that people are having a conversation about it and the fact that somebody's archiving pictures and stuff like that from that era. And the fact that somebody's reading, like Ken is reading old, old newspapers from that era and is writing it down. The fact that all these different platforms or, or multiple platforms are doing that. I love that shit. So I, I do want to fucking no shame kind of fucking called me out. Um, I mean, that, between us, obviously, we were just on the phone, but he was just like, bro, did you not know that Control F exists? And I just kind of like got pissed off at myself because <laughs> I was bitching about how from July 1947 to I think it was October 1961. No. Yeah. October 1961. I read every fucking AMA magazine front to fucking back 
And don't get me wrong, there was a lot of cool shit in there. And I can tell you how much fucking Michelin tires cost in 1953. And it's just so fucking infuriating that you put all this work into it and then you talk about it. Um, and you just get these assholes to be like, mm, nope, it's Hollister. My friend told me it was Hollister, so it's Hollister. I'm like, yeah, but Dude, that's you like, know, you know what? We don't, have to, we don't have to mention his name. We don't have to mention his name, but that's like when that fucking retard tried to tell you that you were wrong about the the San Francisco Chronicle. And I was like, whoo, boy, this one, I know I got saved and I'm going to light you up. And people yeah. are like, well, it's the internet. Who gives a shit? I care because you're not going to like, you're not going to, you're not going to belittle Ken's work and talk like you're this authority. The, the way that he said it with like such authority just motivated me to be like, this is why you're wrong. <laughs> And here's the sources, and, and yeah, here's and the links like, to newspapers. You just swing all of your dick around on that guy, and I really appreciate. Hey, it. Did you find? I was not ready with all that that kind of information, and you're just like, dick on the table, suck it. You know, and and it's not even like you know, like for me, like I said earlier, like I really look at this as a peer to peer type thing. Like I don't think that I'm better, worse whatever than anybody else. Like it's all equal across the board for everybody that that comments on the page or whatever and, and it's just all i enjoy all of it and that and kind of that pure aspect but yeah don't belittle somebody's work or effort that they put into something if you're not going to at least like articulate a better point like if you want to say like i don't agree with that and, and like again to come back to it i think the two differing opinions that mac and road dirt did was great it was phenomenal um but I will say, going back to to the Hollister and the Riverside stuff, were you able to find anything from Motorcyclist magazine? No. 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 To be honest, I never, I, I never even. I've looked as well. I've never seen anything. Because that's what, um, and I don't know if I ever sent it to you, but his dissertation from Florida State—that's what William Delaney uses—and he's got, um, he's got sources cited in there that I think will give you the link. But I think the link is gone. Um, cause obviously it's a, it's an internet link or something like that. I don't know if it's still active, but he cites, um, Paul Brokoff, who was the editor of motorcyclists and a, I don't know if he's a board member or just a voting member, um, of the AMA. And he wrote in motorcyclist magazine on his own about, you know, kind of, um, a small percentage of these 4,000 motorcyclists that caused problems. And, and William Delaney kind of like surmised in his work that maybe that's where this snowball effect started from, but then it doesn't actually get said until like, you know, Ken found with the AMA article and stuff like that. But I don't, I've always wanted to see that article from, from Paul Brokaw, but again, motorcyclists is a little bit harder to find. I think it ended in like 49 or 50 or so, so somewhere to that effect. Yeah, it was like it was late forties, early fifties. Yeah, and honestly, the first the the like chronologically, the first time that you ever see <clears throat> the term one percent was in um, was it 61, 62, 60, 61. <clears throat> um, police chief Jesus Cuarta um, in Tecate when he was doing interviews about what was going on and all this. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the first time the AMA said it. Um, that. No, no, no. 61. Because remember, there's an AMA article that we had the screenshot of too, where they, they sent out their annual report to dealers. That was, so that was released the same month. No, no. Hey, so 
That's yeah, I think you're you're pretty close to. Hey, you've got a you've got a six month buffer. Don't worry about it, bro. No, no, I'd I'd be off because for some like I got February in my head for some reason. I don't know, dude. Like I'm so fucking hey, tired. In these old notes that we did though, I did have in here about um how Drifter and I argue about our most influential movies. Well, can can we at least talk about going back to the one percenter thing? Can we at least talk about the coolest uh, quote ever for Mexican Ed? I love this quote when he said. Uh, the galloping gooses aren't one percent of anything. We're one hundred percent motherfuckers. How cool yeah. is that? And that's you know I think so again. Whatever these notes are for, they're very kind of sporadic. But you know, talking about that, and and we talk about Ed Roth, and you know the changes. Like I think this is probably to me. I think there's probably part of Drifter's stuff that he does that's really great on cultural shifts and 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 kind of where you can see different eras begin and end and things like that. But imagining today's culture having somebody like ed roth who is doing trading cards of club presidents people lose their mind mexican ed was in there um pig from the milwaukee outlaws was in there uh you know he had um oh i can't you know again without the references but he had tons of, of famous characters he put articles with that sonny barger wrote in his magazines he had how to ride in a pack with tom fugo i mean he just had like this this, a, he, you know, people, I guess, I don't know if they wanted to be in the newspapers or he was just, you know, Ed Roth and he was just a rad dude or whatever. But yeah, you can't imagine that in today's. It was the 60s and 70s social media. That's how they did it. Now we have TikTok and Instagram Ugh. and Facebook. Yeah, man. So, so what you're saying is I need to be less serious and no shame is now the Ed Roth of the bike world. I, hey, you know what? Yeah. I think when it comes to films instead of custom bikes. Yeah. So suck it, nerd. We're doing. You know what? This is now a video podcast. We're just, hey, <laughs> I combed my hair and everything. <laughs> no, nah, I look like shit. I'm not putting this. No, we're not doing the video. But uh, <laughs> was, but, what else no, is on no. your magic paper there, Dave? So we yeah we talk about Tecate, Um and aside from the newspapers, really one of the first times it hits like the mainstream again. Not what is actually out there, but like popular culture. Uh, when Hunter Thompson wrote about it in his book, um, he talks about Smacky Jack, the uh, mm-hmm. telling him the story. Smacky Jack was a Satan slave um, who told other, you know, f- famous club members that you would, I guess they weren't famous at the time, but club names we would know, uh, club members we would know. But he, Hunter tells a story of him telling it. And I know George Christie has posted it before for anybody that, that follows what George posts, which, agree with him or disagree with him. He put some cool history out there. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so he talks about the story of Smacky Jack talking about kind of the, the, the things that went down at Tecate and, and, I, and that the, in the book, it quotes the Smacky Jack is saying, well, don't worry about it. It was like only a one road town. <laughs> it was only like a one block town or something like that. Like, yeah. The town burnt down, but uh, it was yeah, only half of it burnt down. yeah, he's like, it was only like a one block town. It doesn't matter. And then, you know, the <laughs> David Mann painting of Tecate. Yeah, man, that's I I love that. There there are three of those. My three favorite Dave Mann works are the one in the uh, <clears throat> it's like this cave or an under like a overpass, right? The Kansas the City Caves. Yeah, yeah. yeah they used to the do yeah. They used to do parties yeah. down there and stuff. Yeah, was, those caves are still there. That one, <laughs> uh, the the leaving Tecate one, where you still got like. The smoke and all that shit like yeah. rising in the background, and you got the pack leaving. 
and then the one that's actually like during that where they're like you see these dudes like throwing molotovs at the fucking police station um you know just never chaos everywhere and and you think about like it happened in mexico fuck it we can talk about it you you think about like tecate right it happened in like what 1960 and yeah 1960 i think late 1960 but either way regardless let's say 1960 late 1960 we get that five-month buffer you look at somebody like dave mann who has this really great one of the best paintings i think that he's ever done and that's subjective that's just my opinion but you know he did it or, or he you know around 1965 when he became a, a full patch member and so he's painting something that that we all enjoy now just based off of retellings from guys that were there. I mean, to be that in tune with the culture and what people are telling you, like, you know, I think in different ways, people are trying to do that today, whether that's writing stuff, um, whether that's taking pictures, maybe even that's, maybe it's TikTok. I don't know. Uh, what I like about David Mann. What I like about David Mann. One at a time, folks. Yeah, yeah no shit. <laughs> you go. Okay, I'll go. What I like about David Mann is that his paintings show everyday life. You know, there's the one of the guy where where his his woman is working on the bike and he's all embarrassed. The, the one where they're passing the troops that are in the back of the truck and they're passing a beer. You know, this is everyday biker life. It it really documents that. And I think that's really cool. I'm not all right, Ken. I'm not no, Ken, it's your turn. I forgot. All right, well... <laughs> I legit well, forgot. If we keep going down these these notes that I took here, man, we must have had some good previous um, podcasts. But I feel like this one's pretty good. Uh, it's got a nice mix of serious and funny, which is what I'm all about. Oh my fucking god! Yes, you are. <laughs> Let but, it go. <laughs> but one of the um, you know one of the things that we talked about next in these in these notes that I got here was people that attended the Tecate run, and one of them was Harlan Brower who is known as Tiny. And Tiny and Tom would go on to start the L4 Star Motorcycle Club. But at the time, Tiny was a Satan Slaves member. And he had this influence that, and I'm not going to say the Midwest didn't have it. We did. I mean, you look at um, at, at Jim Matif's work. You look at Danny Lawrence. Like we, we had that here. But the Midwest has always been just kind of that gritty, more not that there's not blue collar, greasy, hardcore, whatever dudes in, in California, but you think in this era again, this era, not not now, but that era, California was glitz and glam and and rich people and Hollywood and the movies and all that stuff. And then here came came Tiny to to Iowa where he was from, coming back to Iowa and bringing these stories to Tom about biker culture in California. And Tom already being like, well, I'm kind of into tinkering and building and, and bikes and stuff like that. Let's start something like that here. And so they go and they try to get a slaves chapter in Iowa and California or whatever. I don't know the story. It's not my business. Uh, for whatever reason, they're not able to. So, and I'm glad they're not. <laughs> glad they weren't because now we have this amazing club that is El Forestero. And they take some of that chopper culture of California and make it completely Midwest. When I think of El Forestero and the history, again, not nothing current, no club business. And I think about the history and just what the name evokes to me as a, as a motorcycle enthusiast, that's Midwest. Like that just has so much Midwest. Flavor. Like it's, even though I'm like, I'm a neighbor to Iowa, I look at that culture and I'm like, 
that to me represents the Midwest and, and where I come from. And so how they were able to infuse California and then Midwest stuff. Like, I just think it's a cool part of, of history. And obviously Tom is a legend and a tiny, I don't know, maybe he hated shoveling snow. I don't know. I don't blame him, but he goes back to California and becomes a very legendary hell's angel. And that, I mean, he was just kind of this larger than life character that, you know, they're still out there. And and I hope that someday in, in your clubs and these clubs, I hope people are taking these stories down because I think the story of tiny is, is awesome. And I think what they brought to Iowa obviously is awesome. And I think that those kind of stories are still going on today and I hope people are capturing them. So some nerd like myself, 1961 to now, I mean, 60 years later, a nerd can enjoy it again. You know, I and mean, people have been enjoying it for a lot longer, but I it's hope hard. It's hard to get these stories down though, because you're living them. You're in the middle of them. Yeah. You like, do you go, think that they, Oh, that was really funny guys. Hang on. Let me write that down. Do you think Dave part. Mann knew that he was painting like his history that was going to be enjoyed 60 years later? Or was he just a passionate creator? I think he was a passionate creator that had a deadline to do a lot of paintings. <laughs> so he painted what he knew. What say you, Ken? No, I, I, I agree with that. I, I don't think that he was trying to be, um, I don't think he was trying to be anything other than himself. You know, I think he just loved painting and he painted what he knew how to paint and he was really good at it. And people enjoyed his stuff. So, I don't think that he knew that he was going to be the legend that he is. Maybe he had some clue, you know, when he started doing all the Easy Rider centerfold, you know, doing that for so many years. At some point, you got to kind of got to go, well, you know, people are taking these centerfolds and hanging them up in their garages. Maybe they'll be around for a while. So maybe he had some clue, but I don't think he set out to do that. No. I think it's cool to like look at the evolution, and I'm sure Ken's probably seen it all now doing this research. But you go from something like magazines, motorcyclists, and the AMA publications that came out in the 40s and 50s to Easy Riders, or you know, before that, Ed Roth and what he was putting out. Uh, you look at the 80s when Colors came out and and stuff like that. Like the evolution of, of biker magazines and and how they've they've changed like, you know, early motorcyclist magazines and it was called motorcyclist in 1949 sold you stuff. So you could take a family picnic on your Harley Davidson, you know, and, and then you look at, at Ed Roth and he was the first person to put a black man on a chopper in a motorcycle magazine. He put Cliff and his bike and Ben Hardy and he featured them in his, in his thing. He saw kind of, I think, I think uh, speculation, I think he saw maybe what happened and in, in the industry and with Easy Rider the movie and Easy Rider the magazine and not that they are what they were not that it's the same today everybody evolves but I think he saw that and he's like dude fuck that I'm gonna put these dudes in my magazine and he was the first one to to do it and I think that's fucking super cool I think and I'm just speculating but based on what I know about the man. Honestly, I bet he just did that because they're cool bikes and I don't care who made them. And if you have a problem with it, you know, fuck you. Yeah, you know, he did, he did Sugar Baron too. Like, yeah. What did you do, Ken? I was, oh, I was going to say, yeah, you got a fucking problem with it? Don't buy my fucking magazine. Like, yeah. how hard is that? And I think, the, and 
you know, if anybody listens to this episode and knows better than us, feel free to, to let us know, or maybe you guys know, but I think he was the first one to, to, I mean, so my understanding is that, that Tom kind of encouraged Dave man to continue on with his artwork. And that's almost how their friendship really blossoms, like sending stuff back and forth, even before Dave man was Al Forstero. But Ed Roth was the first one I think to actually publish him in a magazine. I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. But that's always kind of the story that, that I underwent was that before. And then obviously for those, you know, Dave man is synonymous with easy riders, but before that was a thing, choppers magazine and Ed Roth was featuring or giving Dave um, his start. I don't know if that's true or not. If anybody knows more than us, um, they should tell well, us. You know, Ed, Ed Roth did a lot of, uh, a lot of people painted for him and he put his name on it, which I'm not, Dissing the guy, uh, that was kind of a thing, you know. Wow, way to bring a dark tone to this. Uh, so Von Dutch did a bunch of work for him, and and Roth put his name on it. It was just a thing. Uh, so that what, could have happened as well. With, with were Man. you looking into whether Von Dutch was ever a club member, and did you ever find anything on that? So here's what we know with Von Dutch and my club. So Von Dutch lived in the back of Shell Thewitt's shop, did uh, all kinds of pinstriping for Shell Thewitt, who was a, a 13 Rebel, and uh, rode with us, but I've yet to find uh, a meeting minutes that says he was a member or a picture of him in a uh, 13 Rebel sweater or racing jersey. But we know that he rode with us. We know that he lived at the shop, and we know that he hung around us a lot. Take that for what it is. Well, fucking Kenny Von Dutch, man. Maybe that's going to be the look alike. Did you say <laughs> Kenny Von? <laughs> yeah. Kenny Von Dutch. It has a good ring to it. I like it. <laughs> kind of like Jimmy O'Hannigan. So, one of the you, things that. You know that Kenny, like, that's his name. Kenneth Robert. Yeah. Kenneth oh. Robert. Well, is there a correlation there, Ken? No, Von Dutch's real name is Kenny Howard. So. I'm saying, like, is is that why you're Ken Lay? Yes, I am. I am. I am the pinstriper <laughs> of potato chips. Maybe your dad was a huge was a huge Von Dutch fan. Is like, you know what? I'm gonna name my kid after this guy. I actually am one of the few people that uh, actually, actually. No, I know where my name comes from, and it's from a, a black Irishman from Northern Ireland. There's that. Definitely not Kenny Howard. <laughs> All right. So I was trying to, to look at some stuff, but, you know, one of the last, whatever we were talking about on these notes that I have here is, is kind of ties into all of that where, you know, looking at, you know, you almost need a Venn diagram. I mean, so many of these things intersect, but, you know, a famous historical club that's, that's, you know, defunct or whatever, not around, um, you know, the straight Satans and then the history and, and all of the cultural movements that they were a part of, whether good or bad, irregardless, like, actually that's not a word, but whatever. I like it. You know, the, the, the straight Satans were around so many, I guess, 
infamous, iconic, historic, whatever movements and motorcycle and pop culture and this and that. I mean, they're they're tied into the Mansons and they're tied, um, you know, the Manson family and they're tied into the one percenter movement and they're tied into early Venice history in Southern California and all this stuff. And they had these these members that that their names are still spoken today. You know, and, and you look at that club and you look at other Midwestern clubs and you look at, you know, clubs out east and things like that and how they intersect. Like, I think like if you're a history nerd at all, it just it's cool to see. And, you know, like somebody I talked about when we were talking about um, Midwest stuff is, is Danny Loin. And I love his book and I've posted up and I think he's cool because. Whether, you know, it would probably never fly today and we'd have uh, trolls everywhere on the page if somebody like joined a motorcycle club as a journalist just to write about it. You know, we will do that today. It's kind of frowned on. But that's what he did. And he gave interviews about that. But he also he didn't he didn't disparage it. He loved his time with the outlaws. He spoke about it and wrote about it in an amazing way. Um, he presented it in ways that we like, we cherish today. And like people have autographed copies of members that were in the club that, that are featured in the book and, and things like that. And it's not something that's looked at as a trash piece. Like he didn't, you know, there's, there's people feel different ways about like Hunter Thompson's book and obviously all the informant books that have been written and things like that. I, you know, it's hard to say a bad thing about, about Danny's work. And, and so I, and then like what he did with, um, SNCC, um, student nonviolent committee. You know, I don't know the acronym, but he was huge in the civil rights movement. He even has pictures uh, with Cliff Oz, the chosen few uh, down South. They actually went together to a civil rights rally in, in Alabama somewhere. And the famous picture where Cliff is being pulled, almost pulled apart by these, these cops or these national guard members, I forget which Danny is the one taking that picture. And, and he did a lot of, of journalism for the civil rights movement. Uh, he did a lot for, um, prisoners in the Texas Department of Corrections. And so I don't, I, you know, obviously times change today. You couldn't have a journalist in bed with your, <laughs> with your club. Uh, that would definitely be frowned upon, but I think his work and what he gave us. And if you read his book, like there's a, I posted up on the Instagram page yesterday where he's talking to an outlaw member named Cal and the, the, the language, like the way Cal speaks about, you know, the first time when he was, so Cal started off, in an AMA club. He was in an AMA club called the Culver city silver saints. You might've heard that name before because mother Ruthie, who's like a famous legendary Southern California part of that culture was also in this club or around it. Um, but he left that and he became a straight Satan. And from that, he talks about in, in, in Danny's book, how he first met the hell's angels and, and hearing that story and just the vocabulary and the vernacular of the time. He's like, you know, he's about how you hip to it. And, you know, we lit a couple up in the parking lot and, and like all this stuff. And, and, and it's just a cool thing yeah. to read in, in this book. And he became an angel. Like he, he, you know, he described it, not my words, his, his words were, you know, that was kind of like the next evolution to go from, a, from his, the club that he was in the straight Satans to, to being an angel. And he did that. And his brother uh, did it as well. Uh, his brother, unfortunately, um, committed suicide. And when that happened, uh, Cal decided to go to Chicago, came to the Midwest where he became in Danny's book. He's an outlaw. He's the very famous picture of the outlaw with a hell's angels tattoo. Again, you're not going to see that in 2022. I get that. I'm not talking about that, but just the, 
interconnectivity of it all. I just think that's such a cool story. Like that's one character who has seen so much like to come up with mother Ruthie in this AMA club and then to be a member of the straight Satans and to give you his account through his eyes of the first time he met this big club. I'm using air quotes. I know we're using audio here, but you know, that's kind of how they felt then in Southern California or whatever. That's how he saw it anyway. Um, and then, you know, he takes a family, a personal tragedy, uh, something incredibly hard to deal with moves and becomes part of this cultural work in Danny Lawrence that's going to live hopefully forever. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's a cool story. And that's why I love history. Like, and if you, I'm almost done. If you think that's, <laughs> if you think that's club business or you think like, you know, that's talking shit or if all you focus on is how in this, in, in this interview, he said that it was going from a smaller club to a bigger club. If that's all you focus on. You're, you're just, you're a fucking dipshit and you're, you're missing, you're missing just the, the, the coolness of the culture, the difference of the times, how things change and just these historical aspects of it. And, and don't focus on that shit. Focus on just what this guy was able to experience and what is preserved of that history. That's, so my, we, that's my soapbox. We mentioned a lot of clubs in this episode, but you'll notice every single thing that we mentioned with each club was pre-1975, and it was all in a positive light. Exactly. Not one bad incident that any club may have ever been involved in did we did we mention? Not one 2022 thing did we mention? We prefaced or most of it with how I see it or my opinion, or we cited, hey, look, this is the book where you can go read what he said. This is the documentary where you can go see them say this. That's the difference between other entities, some some other entities that are out there and what we try to do. Was this a good? I feel like this was a good episode. Yeah, I'm happy. Ken, Boom. all right. Yeah. Well, there yeah. we have Wake it. Up, Ken. No, we well, need we need you to talk. You need to say something. No, I mean, well, well, we're about an hour now. So, <laughs> so where are? I mean, do you think that you're ready to drop on the world what you have? Do you want more time? Are you going to do it? Like, how are you going to do it? Bits and pieces? Like, uh, no, I'm I'm going to do it again. Uh, I'm going to run my Hollister. Um, my Riverside, Riverside run. Fuck it, I need to go to bed. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna run uh, the three articles because I have one written up for Takata already. I was just like I said, I was trying to find something on the Death Valley run to do something just specifically on the Death Valley run, and then a, my third article or fourth article would have been connecting the DVR to Takate. Um, but now I'm just gonna have the. Hollister, Riverside, Takate. I think connect it because still mention DVR. Yeah, yeah. you can still mention. You have so much good stuff in there, and I think that you're beating your. You're holding, and I get it. You want to have a high standard, and and I feel the same way. Like you want to make sure, is it idiot proof? Is it troll proof? Right, and it sucks. Proof, to be honest. Yeah, but you kind of do because you don't want people to come in there and, and and rip it apart. Otherwise you just run with it. But I think you, you have done so much great work that it, like Jim said, it deserves to be included. And anybody that argues about it, first of all, fine, whatever. Second of all, you're within a six month window at worst, like 60 years ago. And you got that close. That's, that's a lot of good work. Well, this is how I look at it. I've spent the last year of my life researching this. Um, like an embarrassing amount of time spent on this. 
Uh, like I go to work, I come home, I have about 15, 20 minutes for my family, and then I'm doing research. So if somebody wants to argue with me and say, oh, well, you know, this happened or this didn't happen like you say it did or, you know, fucking no, it happened. Hollister 1947. Bring the proof. I, I, Bring honestly, the proof. I honestly don't give a shit if you agree with my findings or not, because I know what I know. I've read what I've read. And if you want to disagree with me, you can absolutely fucking disagree with me. Um, but then well, bring the proof. Bring the receipts. Yeah, show, just disprove me. You know, no shame. Artie's tried to do it because um, because he hurt. You know, me and Dave were going back and forth, um, and no shame was just like fuck it. It's because it's harder to prove something than it is to disprove something. So he tried. He tried, I think it was the magazine shit that old fucking fuckboy wanted to fucking take shots at me about. And he just said, okay, well, this is easy. And he spent about, I think he said he spent a couple hours on it. And he couldn't find any substantiating evidence to support the 1947 Hollister incident as the the place of, of its birth. So, okay, cool. If, if, if... You know, and and obviously that was the one thing we were focusing on was Hollister, right? But at the end of the day, like I said, I don't give a fuck. I've spent the last year of my life researching this. If you don't believe me, that's fine. That's cool. If you want to disagree with me, you're more than welcome to do that. I just want you to know that it's going to fall on deaf ears. I don't give a flying fuck what anybody has to say. Well, hang on. I don't think it falls on deaf ears, but again, do it the right way. Like, you know, not to, to keep giving that fucking tool airtime but he didn't do it the right way and he was completely wrong if you if you read something that if ken if ken ignites conversation and other people are being like hey look at at this article that i read or, or whatever that's a really cool thing and i i think that should be welcomed but that dude and other people that that maybe are like him they come in and they say that's not right because my fucking meth dealing uncle told me this well all right that's not a good source and ken's 100 right too i like what ken said about it's, it's it is harder because like you need if you have one article that says differently, people think that disproves it. If you try to prove it, they want two, three, four articles. Like the burden of proof is always harder. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying after all this work, I don't give a shit if somebody. <laughs> it's just like I don't like the idea that it started fucking fifteen, seventeen years. Well, I don't fucking know. I'm, I'm I not think you should, right now. But you should be proud of the work you did, dude. I'm I'm very proud of this. I'm very I'm very proud of the neglect that I've shown my family. Um, <laughs> well, think so. about all the time. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Think but, about no, all the time proud. that you're going to be able to devote to TikTok videos now with no shame. Bro, I'm actually really fucking pumped about that. So, um, like creating content, like I have a fucking blast with it, man. And how I look at it is. We have all these different platforms, and you're going to find something different on each platform, right? Like, if you want some of the, like, the haha stuff, you're going to go to TikTok. If you want more of the history stuff um, with some, like, crude stories, you're going to go to Instagram. And then if you want you want the articles that are mostly serious, you're going to go to Facebook. Um, and then, obviously, we have YouTube and Spotify. You're going to get the same fucking content there. One sometimes has video, one doesn't, right? <clears throat> but I think the cool thing is, is that once we have all these platforms and yeah, dude, there's, there, there's a little bit of stuff where, uh, I'll, I'll, 
take it, put it in a negative light and say we're pandering for viewers or we're pandering for something, whatever, right? Where? With whether it's a, a t-shirt giveaway or something like that, right? Nah, nah, um, but here's how but here's how here's how I'm looking at it at least, right? Um the more people that we have interacting with our content, the algorithms are gonna be in our favor. So we're gonna get spread and suggested to a wider audience. And now we're gonna have more people reading the content, getting the message. And I'm not saying that other platforms don't do it correctly or that other platforms aren't righteous. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I know from experience, from working with you guys for the last three and some change years, that the men on the four for the road staff are righteous motherfuckers. And they're not going to intentionally steer somebody wrong. And they're going to do their best to provide a high quality education in history, tradition, and protocol. So if we have a wider range of people that want to come in and check our stuff out because, you know, they thought this TikTok was funny or they fell in love with this history uh, bit that was on Instagram. And then we always reference the Facebook pages where you find our longer kind of written articles, right? That's how I'm looking at it. That's, that's a win. That's spreading righteousness uh, farther than like the 3,000 people that follow the Facebook page now, you know? See, and I've never cared. I don't care about the numbers. I, if you all go away tomorrow and we keep 10 people, I'm fine with that. Like I said, I'm probably a little bit over the top in the protectiveness of the virginity of the page. It doesn't need, it doesn't need to be protected. Like I'm not like other people are out there trying to gangbang our page. But for me, that's how like, I don't care if fucking 3,000 people go away tomorrow is what we're still putting out good. And I struggle to find that balance. I think that this episode today is amazing. And I think filtering these in with the funny stuff is, is a balance. And I think, you know, for me personally, I thought that we lost our way a little bit with too much funny shit. Um, and we risk, and I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying my opinion view was that we then run the risk of pushing away the guys that, that in the past and, and currently like our inbox yesterday, there was a really awesome guest in there that hopefully we're able to, to work out. But, you know, we, we run the risk of, I think in my eyes, pushing some of those dudes away. And, and I'm not saying I'm right, but I felt like previously we had had more guys at that caliber that I viewed at that caliber. I'm not saying everybody agrees with me hitting us up and, and some of the funny stuff, only funny stuff had, had kind of pushed it away. And again, I'm not saying I'm right, but I think that this is a good balance. And I think Ken's right that I think the, the, the short, funny stuff will bring in people. And I think stuff like this will hook people and give it validity. I'm just always wanting to make sure that the scale, and I'm not saying nobody else cares. I'm saying me, only me, want to make sure that the scales are balanced. And so when we're putting fucking funny dick pics on our YouTube videos, I'm like, eh, okay, maybe somebody likes that. I don't care for it, but whatever. I talked to Ken the other day and I was like, dude, my vision of this, and again, just because I'm neurotic, is I think about where I was on my bike the first time I heard Jace interview the fast life, um, um, two lane life. I think about where I was the first time I listened to our episode on Mount Rushmore, MC Moore, Mount MC Moore, which can kiss my fucking ass because it's gone for whatever reason. But you know, I think about like because I didn't listen to it, I didn't listen to it when we did it. Like I waited until I wrote because that's what I do. I like to put it on my Bluetooth on my helmet and I just I vibe for an am I allowed at 36 to say vibe? I don't know, but. Sure. I just put that. 
I just put that shit on and, and I cruise. And I remember, you know, I remember where I was like when I hear certain stuff. I remember where I was when I heard that that Vigilance Elite podcast and, and all this shit. And that's how I want people to relate to the, this episode here. And I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying like my concern has always been pushing people away because we do too much funny stuff and we got South Park animation on our on our YouTube videos. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about 300 people watching the, the, the YouTube video. I want a thousand guys on their motorcycles jam into what we're saying or like mixing it up. Like the dudes that have sent us videos of them riding to audio of our podcast. Yeah. I would sell my kids for that. <laughs> so are, we, are we going to, uh, yeah, let's do a podcast uh, in the middle of our trip. Like yeah, I'm doing it at the hotel, the right? That's the yeah. plan. I've got um, I've got a microphone that hooks into the phone so that we can record it. Because Kenner, no shame, somebody told me that um, we can use Streamyard on a phone. Like you just log in, I guess, from a, from like a uh, internet. Yeah. It's 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 literally it's it's just like how you do it here, except you're tapping your email like. Yeah. And, and so I've got a microphone that we can hook up to the phone, and then we can just we can like do an interview or do do an episode or whatever. I think that'd be fucking cool. Sick, dude. I'm looking forward, looking to, forward to it. I'm ta- I'm excited to take Jim to that little church. I mean, it's nothing cool, but I just I don't I always like this little way stop. It's right there on Highway 17. Uh, maybe we can reenact the Wild Angels scene in it. Okay, dude. Dibs on being raped. But- <laughs> Hey, I'll be the I'll be the hey, dead guy. Hey, uh, feel yeah. free. To, feel free to edit this out if it's too personal. But when you rode there, Ken, did you, you know? No. Oh, okay. Why no. not? No, I did not. Huh? Why not? Uh, uh yeah, we're not that. That I'm not putting on the air. <laughs> so, so it might have happened. You're just not gonna put it on the air. That's fine. I'm okay with that. We're, you know what? Oh, Since hey, this is it for this week, folks. Hey, uh, we're like uh, within a six month window of just assuming it happened. It, it happened in a six month window. I'm gonna make a T-shirt. It happened. That's all it's gonna say. <laughs> right with this little church in the background. It happened. But, also, I just want to, if he listens to this episode, in no way is any of that a dig on No Shame. I think that what he does with the editing is amazing, and I'm not nearly that talented. It's just not my cup of tea, but that's why there's 11 different personalities um, that are on this page. And and his talent, undeniable. He's funny, undeniable. I just like his serious shit more. That's just on me. I love yeah, the TikTok, I, man. I, I, don't, I, I don't laugh so that. hard at that thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I. I mean, at least I didn't take any of that as like a dig at no shame. No, uh, just like clarification. Just like that's that's kind of like that's that's Dave's view for 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 the road moving in the future, and that's kind of the beauty. And like you said, you know, that's kind of the beauty and the curse is that for the most part we're all on the same page. Um, but then it's like it's it's the little onesie twosie things that that we don't agree on, and that's that's okay. You know, like we're still gonna we're still gonna put out the content that we're gonna put out. Uh, we're gonna have fun doing it because at the end of the day, this is a hobby. You know, um, we're not really you know, like nobody. Nobody here is being paid. I can't say we're not making money anymore. We made and I fucked up. Uh, I did the math wrong. <laughs> we made three dollars and eighty one cents from gifts gifts last night from the TikTok. So thank you. Guys. What are what are gifts? What the, what the um, hell is that? Can, yeah, dude. So I didn't know about this shit either. Um, like me and No Shame were doing this live, and we kept seeing these like little stickers and shit pop up on the screen. We're like, "What the fuck is that?" And one of his brothers that was watching was like, "That's money, bro." Like, so we looked it up, and 
like I said, I did the math wrong, but what the real number was was three dollars and eighty one cents was was donated to us uh, through those little stickers and stuff like that. So once we get up to a certain dollar amount, we could redeem that and then pay for this expensive ass fucking Streamyard subscription again. Oh. That's kidding. I mean, we gonna we gonna need to do some some more lives if we're gonna pay for that. But but uh, but no, man, and and that was really fun. And just again, um, for for all you guys that were watching last night, thank you guys so much for the support. Um, and then supporting my business, like that's that was really rad, you guys. I got uh, I'm not gonna give a dollar amount, but I got some orders last night. While we were doing the uh, while we we're doing the live, yeah. Are you ready for the and, fashion show with Jim and I on the bike ride for 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 your for your biz, dude? I'm waiting on you, motherfuckers, to order some shit. Or am I you, supposed to order it? You said you guys like special shit or whatever. After we just pay you when we see you. Okay, I just, I didn't I didn't I can order it. Did you say you had some shit or something that after we just pick it up from you? I thought maybe you got something. I thought maybe you got something unique for the trip. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. No, you guys just tell. Oh, that's right, because. Uh, fucking what's his name up there? Jim. He doesn't want to wear that specific sweater. He was the swear word one? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? I call it the Dave now, but it's the nice motherfucker hoodie. Right. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm not wearing what, it. What if we all three, maybe this is a little, maybe this is a little too prom night-ish, but what if we all three just rolled into Cowboys in matching hoodies that said, we're nice motherfuckers. Can we have a certain dance as we walk in through the front door? Yes. We'll do the Top Gun since since all oh, three of us yeah. have Navy experiences. So, ooh, see, I was going to go with uh, the Bee Gees walk from Staying Alive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Maybe it'll be a two-part. Maybe it'll be, two be a match. Oh, we could do the – oh, bro, okay. We could do the Navy going in. But also, I feel like we do it. need to, to consider all of the people – me included that we're saying yes to on this, on this, this ride shit. Cause it's like, yeah, man, I'll come meet you in the, the outer banks or something like that. Like all three of us are going to have to go in different directions. Like, all right, I gotta go pick up this dude. I'll be back in an hour. All right. Like we'll reconvene in the swamp in the dismal swamp. I've so made no I'm, promises. I'm, I'm fucking saying this right now. Um, if you, if you have spoken to me about meeting up on this ride, I'm letting you know now. Uh, first, I'm not inviting anybody for the ride up to Williamsburg. I want that to be as small as possible. Um, once we get into Williamsburg, like I said last night on the live, I will keep people abreast of where we will be at for, for partying and shit like that. We absolutely want to meet you guys. But also, like trying to ride around and meet 3,000 people in one night. Nights that's I only want to meet the people we already know. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> All of the people we already know are the only ones I'm excited to to see. And I just I'm gonna jump literally, I'm gonna jump in jumper's lap just to see how he's healing. Oh, that's yeah, fun. I'm the opposite. I want to meet new people. <laughs> yeah, see, oh, I'm there like, is a guy. I just want to meet people. Like the, you guys remember Jay? Who do you guys remember Jay? He lives in North Carolina, follows the page. He's got that cool triumph that's yes. got like the FXR oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know more. He, yeah. he met me last time when I was when I was coming up and he took me to this bar outside of it's in North Carolina. I want to say it's close to Camp Lejeune, but um it's like this oh, little yeah. hole in the wall biker bar. We got to stop there. And if he wants to stop with us, uh he can pay for the drinks. That'll be great. We appreciate that. Uh, but, 
But no, I want to take you guys there. And I would love it if he stops too. I, I'm just talking shit, but I would love it if, if he meets us there too, because it's a cool little spot and we'll have to, to get a drink there. But um, we can reach out to him. We, we other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited. Um, there's some dudes that, that we all already know that I'm just, uh, I just can't wait to see him again. And Jeremy, Jeremy from Deathwish, uh, I'm uh, looking forward to asking him on camera. Maybe like we can, maybe I'll get in on the live. Like, how does this go? Like, like this? Like, how do you? I don't know how you do a live. Well, first you, know, you need a pop yeah, sock. Like this. <laughs> I'm gonna ask him. Like, well, hey man, what, what's the deal with your shoes? Can we like start a GoFundMe? GoFundMe each new one. Hey, did you talk to Jumper about staying at the RV? Yeah. Is that what you? Oh, did you? Well. He off. Is this a conversation for the recording? Like, he offered. He offered. He offered, and I was like, "Are you in shape enough for that?" Like, I mean, I love. Oh, he's fine. Like, if we could all like remember that time that we sat around and argued about movies in front yeah. of his in front of his trailer. The birth of the podcast. Yeah. If we could do that, I would. I would. That would be an amazing night for me. I would love to do that, especially um, again. If you want to edit this out, we certainly can. Um, but there's one of your brothers that has been to the trailer with me before. Um, yeah. He was not. He was. He was still earning his way back then. Uh, I can't wait to have a drink with that guy too. Great time with that guy. Okay, right on. Did he haul his turds out? <laughs> Did, I tried so hard. Did I tell you the story already? How I tried not to shit in his in his trailer, yes. and I, keep, I just. <laughs> All right, guys, we're getting weird, so I'm going to call it here at almost an hour and a half. So, hey, Let us know uh, if you vibed to this episode. Yeah, let us know if you vibe with this pod, y'all. Right, I don't fucking know, dude. I'm I'm not even as old as Dave, and I felt weird saying that. So You have to, uh, you have to come up with a good history title for this one, so if people listen to the whole thing. It is a good episode. Oh, yeah, I'm going to come up with something. So, uh, but yeah, thanks, thanks guys for hanging out with me tonight. And then thank you guys all for, for listening. This has been really rad. And then, um, yeah, we'll catch you later with some new shit.